Welcome to the Kingo Podcast. Kingo is a story and world building company. We teach people how to bring their stories and worlds to life through books, movies, music, and art. If you're interested in building immersive worlds and telling great stories, consider supporting us on Patreon or reach out to us on kingo.com. Let's get started. Today, we'll answer a simple question that often gets overlooked. What is a story exactly? The Greeks didn't think the word love was descriptive enough. In fact, they had seven different words for what we now call love. They used the word eros to describe passionate, romantic love, philia to describe friendship and goodwill, storge to describe the love between parents and children, ludus to describe flirtatious teasing, and so on. Each of these words encompasses a different aspect of the feelings and emotions that we unilaterally call love. In using this one word for these multiple emotions, we sometimes lose the ability to accurately describe our feelings or to accurately interpret the feelings of others. I love you means different things in different contexts. And in the same way that love encompasses feelings of lust, attraction, camaraderie, respect, obsession, etc., so too does the term story encompass many different contexts. Our unilateral use of the term story for so many situations causes much confusion when we ask the question, what is a story? Everyone's got a different answer. The word story is just not descriptive enough. Here are the five definitions of story that we'll use and explore in more depth. One, a belief or subjective truth. Two, a telling or retelling of a series of events. Three, a narrative used to make sense of a series of events. Four, a vehicle for transferring wisdom or experiencing an alternate reality, also known as counterfactual simulation. And five, the study of a change in character. Firstly, story as belief. What gives humans such a competitive advantage over other animals in the world? It's our ability to form bonds and cooperate within and between our tribes. This difference between us and other animals has allowed us to completely dominate control of the earth. We can flexibly cooperate on a large scale. Now, tribalism is a natural human phenomenon. We want to feel like we belong to a group. And many times our negative emotions arise from the feeling that our tribes do not accept us. This desire to belong to a social group is a primal urge. And for that reason, we naturally try and find and seek out people who are similar to us. We try to seek out people who believe what we believe. Aren't you strangely drawn to someone when you're out of town and they're wearing the sports jersey of your home team? And aren't you strangely drawn to someone when they're carrying around your favorite book in the local coffee shop? The jersey and the book are symbols of our beliefs. We carry them around, sometimes unknowingly, as an indication of the tribe to which we belong. We're telling the world, this is what I believe, and this is my tribe. What separates one tribe from another? It's the set of beliefs that the members have adopted, whether explicitly or implicitly. For instance, being a Dodgers fan comes with the implicit belief that the Dodgers are the best baseball team, or at least that they should be the best. And this leads us to our first definition of story, a belief. A story is a belief. 
Tribes tell stories, and not just in the way you may think. Tribes tell us what they believe and specifically what's important to them through popular media such as movies, books, advertisements, and music, and also simply through interactions with other members of the tribe. It's actually what differentiates one tribe from another, the shared set of stories that the members choose to believe. Tribes can be bigger than you might think, and we all belong to more than one. For instance, your country is a tribe. Your family is a tribe. Your culture, whether that be defined by your local region or by your point of origin, is another tribe. And each of these tribes tells different stories about what's valuable and what's right and what's wrong, how the members should act, what's important and what's not, what you should desire and what you shouldn't. Most of us belong to that overarching tribe we like to call society. And the stories that society tells consist of things such as money is valuable, beauty is preferred to ugliness, happiness is better than sadness, and good should triumph over evil. Some countries tell the stories like humans have a right to their body and everyone's vote is equal. We are, of course, not saying that these stories are not based on truth, nor are we saying that these stories are not helpful. They are, however, simply the shared stories that we as a tribe tell ourselves and have come to collectively believe. These stories are not the kind that need to be verbally reiterated or retold because they're always being implicitly retold and reiterated through interactions and popular media of the tribe. To a tribe, its stories are truth. They're the way that the world works and the way that it should work. However, not all tribes agree to the same truths. They don't all share the same stories. And so the stories that tribes tell are subjective truths. There's a certain sense that the phrase, this is my truth, is indeed accurate when truth refers to that subjective truth of the tribe, as opposed to an objective reality that exists whether one believes in it or not. Storytelling in the broadest sense is what allows us humans to take actions outside of what is laid out in our instincts and DNA. Our stories are our beliefs. Our actions are dictated not just by our emotions and instincts, but by our beliefs about how the world should work. A lack of storytelling ability, and consequently a lack of ability to imagine a different reality, is what prevents a colony of bees from rising up, overthrowing the queen, and establishing a united people's republic of bees. Storytelling allows us to change and filter how we understand history, how we understand current events, and how we choose to take actions. From this definition of storytelling, we understand Plato's quote, those who tell the stories rule society. And when it comes to our tribes, those who tell the stories create society. And now our second definition, story as a series of events. Brian McDonald defines a story as a telling or retelling of events leading to a conclusion. This is the loose definition of story that we usually use when someone recounts the events of their day. There's not necessarily a climax or a moral to the events, but rather, it's just an explanation of what happened. That one's quick, so let's go to the third definition of a story. Story as narrative. A narrative is a story or explanation created for the purpose of making sense of a thing or a series of events. People usually offer a narrative story in response to questions such as, 
What is life's purpose? Or why is this happening? Or what does it all mean? Cultures throughout history have used narratives to explain why things are the way that they are. In this context, we sometimes also refer to these narratives as myths and legends. There's not necessarily a moral to a myth, but there is certainly a point to it being told. And usually that point is to explain how something came into existence or its purpose in this world. Narratives have another common usage beyond explaining how things came into existence. Many times we use a narrative to make sense of the events in our own lives. Without an overarching purpose or pattern to explain our otherwise disjointed life events, we may feel a sense of randomness, chaos, or even pointlessness. In this sense, applying a narrative story to your life can be a powerful and sometimes even healthy exercise. Usually this story attempts to answer the questions, why do I exist? What's my purpose? What am I destined to do on this earth? When something unexpected happens to us, we compare that event to our life's narrative in order to explain the event's significance in the larger story, or we adjust our story to incorporate this new event. Our narrative can be used to draw parallels and similarities, especially between the past and either the present or future. It can be used to reinterpret events in a new light. The use of a narrative in our life can help us feel happier and sometimes more at ease. It can also offer guidance. We can ask ourselves how the story should turn out, and then we can start to act in a way that would bring our story to that desired conclusion. Dr. John Polkinghorn insightfully noted, we create narrative descriptions for ourselves and for others about our past actions, and we develop storied accounts that give sense to the behavior of others. Documentarians sometimes use the narrative style to offer an overarching explanation of events in the world and how they are the effect of changing trends. Now the fourth definition of story, a vehicle for wisdom. A large portion of stories that are told are told with the purpose of passing on some piece of information that you want the audience to receive and retain for their own benefit. This type of story is used to pass on wisdom and can be defined as the telling or retelling of a series of events in order to impart a moral value or experience. There is intent behind this type of story. The storyteller has a clear piece of information that he wants to get across to the audience. The moral of the story is usually a subset of the idea that actions have consequences. This type of story can be thought of as a dress rehearsal for the future. It's a way for us to learn about how someone else handled or mishandled an event in their own life so that we can be better prepared to face the same situation in our lives. As Brian McDonald says, stories are a way to get the benefit of someone else's experience without having to have the experience oneself. Many times, these situations in which the story characters find themselves can be fictional, but our brains treat them just as real as any other situation. And for that reason, this type of story can also be called a counterfactual simulation. It's a way for our brain to simulate future experiences that we may never have experienced. Counterfactual simulation stories most likely originated and continue to be used today as survival guides. Lisa Cron notes that this type of story originated as a method of bringing us together to share specific information that might be life-saving. Hey bud, don't eat those shiny red berries unless you want to croak like the Neanderthal next door. Here's what happened. 
So how does the audience receive the wisdom in a counterfactual simulation story? Quite simply, through empathy. Antonio Damasio explains, our brain casts us as the protagonist and then edits our experience with cinema-like precision, creating logical interrelations, mapping connections between memories, ideas, and events for future reference. The neurophysiologist Dr. Rizzolatti expands by saying, mere neurons allow us to grasp the minds of others not just through conceptual reasoning, but through direct simulation, by feeling, not by thinking. This, of course, is the reason that the ability to empathize with the characters in a story is so important. If we can't imagine ourselves in the shoes of the story's characters, then the transfer of the wisdom contained in the story can be completely ineffective. These counterfactual simulations are the stories of fairy tales. There is little internal struggle and moral debate in the characters of the three little pigs. The story is a simple transference of wisdom. At its core, it's a warning that you should avoid the folly and short-sightedness of the straw and stick-laying pigs. It's a call to be more like the brick-laying pig and prepare for the future so that you'll be ready for unexpected assailants and hardships. And now our last definition of story, story as a study of character development. When exploring the stories of movies, television, and books, we're usually witnessing a story that studies the internal change in a character as he pursues a goal. This type of story has the ability to most deeply connect with the audience and to incite a desire for real change outside of the bounds of the story. We as audience members learn the most about ourselves and about others from these character development stories. John Truby explains the fascination with this type of story Drama is a code of maturity. The focal point is the moment of change, the impact when a person breaks free of habits and weaknesses and ghosts from his past and transforms to a richer and fuller self. The dramatic code expresses the idea that human beings can become a better version of themselves, psychologically and morally, and that's why people love it. We all naturally long to be something better. The struggle comes when we're met headfirst with life's challenges and roadblocks. Story is the antidote for demoralization or loss of motivation. When we read about or see someone else face and conquer challenges in their own life, we're often raised to action and inspired to face our own life's challenges. It's a natural effect of the combination of empathy with a protagonist and desire for more in our own lives. Just as in counterfactual simulation stories, empathy with the characters is critical in a character development story. The ability for us to impose our own identity on one of the characters and imagine ourselves facing those same challenges and conflicts is the driving force behind our commitment to the story's outcome. The change in the character tells us that we too can change. It tells us that we can use the same tactics that the character used, that we can use the same emotional wisdom, and that we can defeat the same internal demons that the main character conquered. At the end of the story, we are told to go forth and live a better life, to live a prepared life. We are told either to live by the moral code of the character or take heed of his mistakes and avoid his lifestyle for fear of the consequences. It's important to note that the long-term connection with the audience does not come from the plot. It comes from character change in relation to the plot. 
Plot is what happens externally. Story is what happens internally. The difference and function of plot versus story is often confusing, and we'll explore this more in the future. Some of you will have noticed that most all character development stories are also counterfactual simulation stories, but of course not all counterfactual simulation stories are character development stories. These character development stories are the stories that move us. These stories tell us how we can evolve and grow as human beings. These are the stories that cause us to redouble our efforts and make commitments to change our lives. These are the stories that relate to us what it means to be human. And these are the stories that Kingo will teach you to create. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to help bring more stories and worlds to life, consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Kingo, K-I-I-N-G-O. Please also consider sharing the podcast with a friend and rating us on iTunes. You can find our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Kingo and our site at Kingo.com. Until next time, live your adventures, share your worlds, and tell a great story.